Protect Your Neck Podcast. Top five fights you wish were stopped sooner. This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom, whose work you can find at MMAJunkie.com, and today we are breaking down the top five fights you wish were stopped sooner. The song you are listening to, by the way, All the People by Portugal, the man off the Satanic, the Satanist album, and a fellow Portugal, the man fan, will be helping me break down today's list. You know him from the After Party Edition, folks. Brian Schoonover. What's up? Yeah, Portugal the Man is a good choice. I like the switch up. I gotta see them live, by the way, next time. I really, really am bummed I missed them the last time around. Did you see them last time they were here in Vegas? Uh, no, but it's cool to see them live because they're kind of like a jam band live. They kind of just like flow through. They'll do some like Pink Floyd covers, a lot of random cool stuff. Well, the new stuff I heard from them um, almost didn't sound like them, but I, I gotta They have it. like one good song, the single, and then other than that, it Yeah. Okay. Well, I did like this song, and if you guys recall, long-time listeners, well, maybe not so much long time to pick up on this reference, but the only other time I should say I used Portugal the Man was All Your Light, a favorite of mine and Brian's, and I ironically used that for UFC 212 because, and I said this for the breakdown episode, so the, the, the fight did not happen yet, but I used All Your Light for UFC 212, and I, I noted on the podcast, I, I didn't want to be the creep, as Jim Norton said, where... You listen to the words. Like, I don't want to be that creep, but I was like, listen to the words. Like, I totally wanted to be that There was some forecasting, right? There was, yeah, I totally <laughs> Max Holloway had released that picture before he fought Jose Aldo, him on the mountain. Yeah, looking down. True. Kings have to look down at their kingdom, and then the, the, the whole man on the mountain theme of that album, much less that song. It ended up being perfect with the yeah, way the fair. fight played out. Totally. And uh, totally. the way uh, this song, again, go go download off of iTunes, where you can find this podcast and rate and review us. Uh, Satanic Satanist, go, 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 you know. Do your due diligence, support the artists. But Satanic Satanist was a good album. And this song, even though a little bit political with the soldiers, I think is kind of apropos to our topic, Brian, you know, as far as that mentality and and, and uh, no, thinking you're going to be okay, but also needing someone to save you. That yeah. may be a, be a topic we'll be touching on tonight, huh? Uh, definitely. <laughs> before we touch on those, we will get to some topics. But before we get to some topics... Uh, some real topics. It may not be an after party edition, but old Brian is a uh, is 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 a uh, uh, what do you call it? devil's advocate playing his old good good old devil's advocate. We started a bit of drinking before, but we have some fresh ones queued up from you. So if you have some while you're listening, cue it up right now while we start. Oh, mine uh, mine spit a little bit there. Uh, Squirt whatever. Just all over your notes. Yeah, it's gonna be sexual no matter how we put that. Post cheers, big guy. Because we're such degenerates, we uh, we drank before we cheers. Brian, what are you drinking, by the way, for the audience listening? Uh, some Ballast Point Sculpin. It's been my new fave. I can't stop drinking it. I was going to say, that's a classic. $13 a goddamn six pack. 
If you could wrap your fucking mind around that bullshit, it's delicious. It's worth the money, but yeah. Well, if you can, you know, deliver a good performance tonight and, and come back on the podcast and you know not do what the host does, which is embarrass himself. Perhaps we we can get ourselves a scope and sponsorship because if I were to sponsor Brian with a beer, it'd probably be that beer. He drinks it the most. Um, obviously, no beer sponsorships in the Protect Nick podcast, but yeah, unless someone wants, yeah, <coughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying a new one, which is good. I just took my first sip that you might have heard. Uh, this is from uh, Prairie Artisan Ales, who I've had before. Is that local? Uh, no, I think they're from the. Um, I want to say Midwest, but. Uh, yeah, I was telling Dan's been drinking. Actually, I've had hiccups where episodes where I don't drink. He spills on himself. Yeah, a little bit. No, I got it on your carpet. Relax. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where the hell this is from, but uh, it's Prairie Artisan Ales, and it's called Imaginary Friends India Pale Ale. You know Dan Tom is an IPA fan, as well as uh, Brian here. Touche. But, uh, yeah, but before we get into our top five, just wanted to get into, you know, wanted to recap 216. I was going to do a recap episode, but... Trying to scramble to maybe book the uh, podcast, which I don't want to make you sound like the last reserve. You're actually the first person I asked, but yeah, thanks, bud. But Dan Tom is uh, not very good at booking. Um, but you know, even though we're doing it on a Saturday as opposed to during a weekday, this worked out better. Well, a it worked out better for us. It gave me and Brian an extra day or two to get a list together uh, before we shout it out to you guys. Which, by the way, great contributions this week. Yeah, we'll be wow, getting to yeah. those, right? But uh, not only did it give me and Brian an extra day, but also, you know, podcasts. I'm a big podcast listener, and I think I'm subscribed to like 15 or so. But on the weekends, man, on the weekends, it is slim picking. So the fact that we're recording on a Saturday night, I'll have this edited up by wee hours of, you know, East Coast time, uh, morning, Sunday morning, and West Coast, of course, Sunday morning. At least you'll have some weekend listening, right? There's Wait, no fights this weekend. Another all nighter tonight or what? No, not an all-nighter. I mean, I, it doesn't take me too long to edit this. Of course, I take longer than I probably should, as I do with breaking down my fights. That's another story. Dan Tom. Oh, Dan Tom killing his brain cells one way or the other. It's Dan, Dan Tom time. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, Dan Tom. There's no Dan Tom time. It's just breaking down fights time. But uh, speaking of which, we had a... Uh, speaking of editing, I'm sorry to interrupt the podcast. There was a issue on the 11th hour with the file size, so... Old Dan Tom had to go back to the future. That's right. This is Dan Tom, future Dan Tom, editing past Dan Tom's work. Uh, because, uh, yeah, there was an issue with the f- file size on WordPress, something that I'm going to have to figure out on my own time with a plugin, some sort, neither here nor there. But yes, if you're wondering why the recap that I was about to get into uh, is, is not there, the, uh, I had to sacrifice this, this, this episode went in a little too long. It was, it was all good stuff, but... Um, we had to kind of trim the fat. So uh, since the bulk of it is what the topic should be about, you know, the, the top five topic, we left it at that, cut out the recap. So that's why you hear this interruption. So when we come back and I fade you back into the episode, uh, it'll be me and Brian. We uh, have finished our 216 recap, and we're kind of finishing it up with some pound-for-pound pound discussion before breaking for commercial and coming back to finish the episode with our top five fights you wish were stop sooner. Thanks and sorry for the interruption. If I had a beer to crack right now, I'd be like, God damn it, let's crack it and say fuck it. We're going to crack a beer in the second half. Before we get to the second half, um, the Demetrius Johnson thing I booked tab before we go. And speaking of John Jones as well, let's connect those two to close out, Brian. 
This has been a topic where I usually stay away from as a pound-for-pound guy because it's speculative and I'm not a very much of a news topics guy on this podcast. I'm a contrarian asshole, (laughs) as most of you know. But this is a kind of an interesting one to me because of the positive drug test, you know, which which maybe you want to include Anderson with that as well. There is a big argument on who is the greatest of all time, Jones or Demetrius. I say even though it's speculative and it really doesn't mean anything, there is two topics we need to address. Two different topics because I believe pound for pound best currently and all time are two different topics. I think we can all agree on that. And I think those are the two main speculative ones. Um, All time is a little harder one. Because you're talking about all time. And because, again, I'm somebody who acknowledges drug tests and with the madness that opens up on careers. So I may have to lead to DJ right now. I understand that MMA fans are fickle and I'm against that being fickle. But... These things, with especially with these tests and all these crazy things, they do change, right? Pound for pound, though, I feel confident in stating my case for DJ because the term pound for pound does not come from boxing, although obviously it existed in boxing before MMA because boxing existed before MMA. But the term pound for pound actually comes from motor vehicles. By the 1950s or 1960s, when performance in motor vehicles started becoming a sport, started becoming a thing, and pound for pound referred to, you know... Uh, a car's all-around performance. So if we were to apply it to a vehicle, it would be like, okay, do you have... You want a vehicle to have the torque of a V8, but you want it to have the pickup of a V6. I want it to be light and nimble, like a sports car, but I want it to be durable and be able to take a shot like an SUV. Now we can see how those... you know, And again, pound for pound speculative, but that's how I decide pound for pound because that is A, the namesake, and as far as common sense, in my own opinion, goes... The most appropriate as far as translating pound for pound to fighting. And Demetrius Johnson, in my opinion, I'm going to throw it to Brian here in a second, but my opinion stands alone because he could finish from guard. John Jones could finish from guard. John, John, John Jones could pull guard to show that he's an asshole and not get hurt at the end of a round against Rampage where he knows he was winning. But he wasn't really a guard guy. Demetrius Johnson can finish from top. He can finish in transition. He can control the best scramblers, which we just saw. He can finish on the feet. He can rock guys with head kicks. He can do counter punches. He can punch coming forward. His clinch is the best clinch in MMA history, in my opinion. If you read my breakdowns, I dive deep into why. So if we're combining those reasons, Demetrius Johnson's pound for pound for me. All time, I'm open to argument. Who are yours for those two, and what's your opinion on the whole argument as a whole happening right now? For John Jones and Mighty Mouse, all personal opinions of John Jones aside... It's hard to talk shit on the people he's beat. He's beat some really impressive people. And a very heavy, risky weight class. So, I do see how people want to say pound for pound John Jones is the best of all time. Or pound for pound best currently. But, he's not currently fighting. He's coming off of being accused of doping. For a second time. Mm -hmm. And, if we look at John Jones's personal life. Does he seem like a person that right. would be willing to cheat? No fucking shit. Yeah. So he's a do I think yeah, do I think yeah. that John Jones was a cheater the whole time now? Of course I do. But I d I'll never know. Do I think Mighty Mouse Johnson ever cheated? Do I think Mighty Mouse Johnson ever yeah. doped? Absolutely not. Look at him. He's just a solid Him and BJ Penn technique. are the only guys that I can say yeah, where I, I'm confident didn't do anything. It's beautiful. No, DJ, in my personal opinion, as far as technique goes, is just, it's perfect. Everything he does is spot on. Now, before we go, here's the other argument. DJ's lineup, which I agree, but it's kind of to no fault of his own because 
he had no former champions to beat like John Jones because he is the only champion to ever be in that weight class, which is the only weight class men or women, I believe you can say that, which is special in its own right. It was so Ronda Rousey for a while. Him and Ronda right. Rousey, yeah. And well, and Jose Aldo. Right. It's one of those perspective things, right? But I will say no one talks about that. John Jones was fed a lot of opponents from Matthew Shenko, uh, Brandon Bear, who was arguably kind of already shot. And then, yeah, he had legends, but Shogun was on a downtrend if you look at his fights after that. So um, Rampage, etc. All these guys that people point to. like he, they, Those guys were already on a downtrend. Like Those were the last we saw of those guys. And John Morgan actually did a, uh, on the MMA Roadshow, shout out to them. Did, he actually went and did the winning records and their records from that, like uh, just of uh, Demetrius Johnson's opponents and John Jones' opponents after they faced them. And he compared that sample size. And it would actually show that Demetrius Johnson's opponents were the better fighters. They had winning records, whereas John Jones' opponents, I believe, didn't or were like a lower. But anyways, it was just a good point of conversation I wanted to bring up. Yeah. I got to take a piss. So on that beat, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to unpack our top five fights you wish were stopped sooner. Right here on the Protect Your Neck Podcast. And we're back right here on the Protect Your Neck podcast for the top five fights you wish were stopped sooner. And we're actually going to get to that top five now after that. A lengthy recap, uh, and unfortunately for the lengthy recap meant more beers for us. When I say unfortunately, I mean, you know, fortunately for us, but un- unfortunately for you guys. But good point. I need to cut down on these. Uh, I was good this week, but I'm going to be bad once again, Brian. Cheers to you. Three, two, one. All right. Cheers, listeners. Mm. I, by the way, am drinking a... Mine started off last time with his drink. Um, Evil Twin Brewing, I'm sure most of, you, most of you beer snobs are familiar with them. Lost Souls, an India Pale Ale that I was worried was going to be a limited release, but it's been about six months and I'm still seeing this bad boy in circulation, at least here in Vegas. Really good beer. Brian is having what I'm having. In case you forgot what that was, Brian, tell him what it is. That Imaginary Friends uh, Prairie Artisan Ales. That's actually really fucking delicious. It's funny, imaginary friend. It really depressing names: Lost Souls, Imaginary Friends, Top Five. <laughs> Sadly, uh, apropos. Did you did you just map that out, or is I, that coincidence? I don't know, but you know, it brings up a good point, Brian. With this topic, I just want to state right off the bat: this isn't a uh, what? What's the word I'm looking for? Um, happy podcast. This wasn't no no. Well, I I want them all to be happy podcast, but incriminate is not the the, the right word. But this isn't a. Uh, there's a better word for this. The, Your listeners are yelling at you. Yeah, they're, they're listening. They're listening. This isn't an attack, for lack of better words, on referees. Okay? Oh, there you go, yeah. This isn't an attack on referees. This is the hardest job. It is the, the most thankless job. And let's be honest, not only is it a hard job, even people in the know know why it's a hard job, even though it should be pretty common sense. You shouldn't have to be in the know to know why refereeing is a hard job. But this list kind of brings to light... You know, we'll get into it with our picks, but kind of brings to light in general 
The hypocrisy of us all, I dare say, Brian. I feel like it's more of, it brings out the human side in all of us. It let's does, be yeah, real. it's a po- more positive way to put it. Go, go Cause, on, go Because we, we sit here and, you know, um, I don't know, when I explain to people why I love watching MMA, the, the simplest way I put it is, I love to be an observer of violence. I don't like to participate. Mm-hmm. I just like to observe it. There's something sickening inside of me that is like, God damn, I get off on this shit, right? right? So, yes, I love to witness it, but there's still a part of me that is human where I realize, like, you know, there's my primal side where I like to see blood and guts and elbows and the most vicious kinds of things. But at the same time, there's this humanizing factor where I see a moment where I'm like, this is it. There, the, enough is enough. Call it. What is this guy going to gain from this moment here? Let's Let's end this. And I feel like... This podcast that we're going, this subject that we're going over is something that everyone can relate to because it is such a humanizing feeling. You you feel like, oh, please stop it. There's this urge where you're, you catch yourself screaming at your TV when you're not even a person that would even scream at it. I don't know. It's, it's a no, really right. humanizing moment. I'm really glad you brought up that point too because that is one part of it, 100%. So I'm really glad yeah. you brought up that. And I guess maybe the part that I was more edging at because I saw this talk on Twitter and I guess it dried off the MMA beat. So I went and watched the MMA beat this last week with Ariel Hawani. They, they do over there at Fighting. Um, and it was about... It was something that Ariel's talked about before. He doesn't like the word violence. And he has his own take on it, which I respect, even though I don't agree nor share the same deck. I get where Ariel's coming from. Whereas Luke Thomas kind of argued the other way, which I also get and more maybe more side with me and more where Luke comes from, I guess. If I had to pick a side, that, that what the crux of this topic is about... But it brought up a good thing because you used the word violence and that's what Ariel used where he doesn't like that because I agree for longevity of our sport it's probably not better to associate it with violence and man I was going way back reaching way back way far even to like some of the first like single digit UFCs for, for some of these topics Brian and um, I completely get why violence does not help the image and then furthermore being a, now I hate saying it not hate saying it I, I, I use the word hate too, 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 because I'm, I'm very proud. I'm very lucky to be saying it, kind of something you, you, you said off air. But I am a member of the media, in other words. And and, and uh, even though I'm a martial artist first, I am a member of the media. And for me to have a job, this sport has to thrive. So in the business sense, I should be fucking rooting for the business sense, right? And I do, to a certain extent. But at the same time... I'm not going to sacrifice it and not be real with y'all. I'm going to be real with y'all. I'm not going to sell out on my morals or values and principles, even as, you know, I just apologize for using the word retarded, even as retarded as some of them might be. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking speaking of hypocrisy, speaking of hypocrisy. We're going to create a soundboard for you from now on where you get an idea and you just push this button where it goes. Speaking of this, this podcast brought to you by MMA Junkie at Dan Tom. MMA. Sorry, it's great. I'm just, Jesus I'm your Christ. friend. I can't help but make fun of you. It's all good. It's no, no. It's good, man. It's good. But yeah, man. I mean, it, it, speaking of one hypocrisy, yes, it, it's, a, it's a hypocrisy because, um, well, I don't know if this is connected to my previous thought. <laughs> but, uh, you know, with the concussion talk that I talked about that. earlier. Cheers. You know. Not just being a martial artist first, like I said before, and not just being somebody who's competed in MMA, boxing, or kickboxing, 
But someone who's had concussions, yeah, I'm more sensitive than most. You know, I I, I went on a very you know mild tangent earlier this week, and I made Junkie Radio about the concussion things and my views on it. So yeah, sure, it's also the thing I also make make a paycheck off of as far as covering. There's a little bit of hypocrisy there, but at the same time, I feel like you know what. Just like, you know, uh, gun ownership, that's a topic. It's not so much about the gun ownership, it's about the owner. It's not about the gun, right? And there's a nice bird by Brian. There's a lot of of troubling features about our sport, but you know what? I figure, at least maybe it was why I say to justify it in my head to make myself feel better about what I do, but I feel like, you know what, at least I'm just adding to the equation of somebody who's experienced it. Um, somebody who's had their life literally irreparably, literally irreparably changed by it as far as concussions and head trauma. Having one of those people on the media side representing the sport, I hope at least, or my intentions, is to at least represent that side of things well. And with that being said, I'd be a hypocrite without admitting the hypocrisy. Yeah. As much of an oxymoron. Well, I've seen it firsthand, man. You, I mean, I, yeah. I can't think of how many times I saw you walking normally when you were training. It was like you always had a limp. Yeah. Or you were always complaining... Excuse me. Always complaining about some sort of injury that was going on because of jiu-jitsu. Right. Or even even behavioral stuff, which I'm sure, you know, we don't have to get too into. This isn't a thing thing on me. I don't want to get too personal here, but I'm sure you've probably seen some behavior changes in me since my concussion and stuff, too. But that's, you know, I mean, it's just one of those things, you know, um, you go through the therapies and deal with. But anyways, neither here nor there uh, as far as that goes. But but apropos to our lists, I don't know about your list, Brian, but mine, um, you might be able to see some changes in fighters from these or, or changes at least in their career as we get into some of these. But this isn't a uh, an audit of referees. I respect referees. This isn't. Maybe even an audit of our sport, but like you said, it's it's good to recognize these things because it's the humanity, right? Yeah, totally. I mean, honestly, I didn't even. I, I talked to you. No, I talked to you about it before we got on this. Yeah, I was saying, you know, now that I think about it, I didn't even look at who the referees were, because for me, it wasn't really about who was no. making the wrong decision. It was just that the wrong decision was made. It was a really weird thing, you or know, or me. just the cost of the whole exchange, right? No, yeah, no one necessarily uh, yeah. to blame. Like it's all all parties involved understand the risk that they're taking, whether it's the referee, the doctor, the fighters. There's so many things involved there, but I don't know. Uh, I, for me, this was a, a something that I, that I went off of was I'm not going off of like the world of MMA's top five. I'm right. going off of my top five that I watched live where I was like, oh God, please stop this yeah. fight. And me and Brian, as y'all know, if you listen to After Parties, we've watched a lot of fights together. Um, so Countless at this point. It was funny because, uh, you know, this is actually the first, by the way, this is the first top five me and Brian doing together. You yeah, usually hear them in the After Party. Um, again, even though I'm admittedly bad about booking and this show is late, mm-hmm. Again, not only was Brian the first person I asked for this week's show, when it comes to this topic, Brian's the first name that, that, that pops out. Because, as you know, one of the things, even though, you know, I'm quote-unquote the analyst, of one of the things, Brian's <laughs> actually really good and better than me when it comes to spotting when a guy, at least when we're watching live, even when we're both inebriated, <laughs> as, we're, as, as, as we're clearly getting to here on the podcast. Yeah, um, yeah. He's really he's really sharp when it comes to spotting when people are hurt. You know what I'm saying? And... Um, it's just one of those weird things, and, I, and, I, and I, I've quoted here, you know, um, 
on the podcast. So, so when when I was thinking about this topic, I was like, you know, he's the first person that come to mind because there's so many of these which we'll get to. Hopefully, they're on your list. If not, I will I will note these ones where I, I, I specifically thought of you. Where yeah. Brian was was the guy more oftentimes than not. Um, it was deserved each time, but but even when I didn't pick up on it, Brian was like, "Stop, stop the fucking fight." Like Brian's that guy. Even when he has money on the guy, yeah. it doesn't matter. Brian's yeah. the guy going, stop the fucking fight. Yeah, totally. So he's one of the guys I thought of this list. Um, I guess, you know, I'll start this one to start the tone, but I'm going to switch over, Brian. I'll, yeah. You'll be going no, yeah. first toward the end of the list here. Yeah, no, that's fine, man. Cool. Take over. Yeah, I want to hear, hear yours first. As you guys know, listeners of the podcast, we start from five to one. We work our way from five down to one. Then we get to your suggestions via social media, which you can find... At the PYN podcast, you like how I timed that after Ben's shake? At the PYN podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, you can find us. This is where we pull our recommendations from. After that, honorable mentions, anything you or we did not get to in our top five or your top five, we will clean up and we'll get the fuck out of here. So, starting with number five, that was actually Luke on that shake, wasn't it? Was, yeah. You boys are both getting your shake on. All right, my number five is really random. This is actually... A, a regional show that I'm not aware of. This was an amateur, but it was a regional show, which was important because when you're in a regional show, even if it's a regional pro show, it's in, you're probably it's indicative of you're probably starting out your career. Granted, we see those things where there's those guys they get cut from the big shows from UFC, Bellator, they can't get wins, so it's one of those more sadder sites like you know Darren Aronofsky is the wrestler kind of a deal, but with Fran May where they're kind of making their career. Those picks aside. These smaller regional shows. I'm not talking. I'm not even talking about LFA or anything like that. I'm talking about smaller shows, um, like GKO number seven, which is what I'm going to be pulling from for my number five. Because when you start your career, it's almost it's almost more important that you get treated a certain way, right? Like there can be arguments, which I'm sure we'll open up with our picks later as we come up. Where like, okay, well, this was a late stoppage, but you know what? The ref didn't stop in, but this was for a title. Is it okay for it to be... You know, this is a weird line, right? Because it's like, I'm all for health, but at the same time, I get the argument where it's for a title, and it's a fighter that, you know, we're aware of, the audience, but the ref is also aware of as far as their tolerance. I get that there's maybe, as uncomfortable as it may be, I get that there may be a latitude in letting that fight go on, Right? Course. But there is no argument when it comes to when these people are no-name, right? They're no-name fighters. This is a regional show. This is when they're starting their career. If anything, you should be stopping things early. Of course. Right? Whether they're a but fighter that has... Cost them later yeah, down the road. Yeah. Because whether there's a fighter that has potential, A, you could be ruining that potential. But even if it's the opposite end of the spectrum, if it's a fighter that's like, I just wanted to try this to be a pro. I tried a couple... This isn't for me. Even if it's not for them, you want them to return to society... You want to give them the benefit, yeah, yeah, with the the benefit of the doubt and the self-respect you would give to any human being. A fair fucking shake. So in my opinion, the fights that are out of the spotlight are almost more important than these high-risk fights that happen in the UFC for a title or not. So I would be remiss, Brian, to not have one fight there that's off it. But it does involve a UFC fighter, so you're not all that worried. And if any of you have done tape study on Cynthia Calvillo, that's right, that... That fiery Hispanic Latina. She's got some talent. You know who I'm talking about, right, Brian? The Diaz brother. Yes. 
The Diaz sister, excuse me. If anybody did um, tape study on her, you will come across her. One of the, one, you know, majority of her professional fights outside of the UFC, there's maybe like four or five um, that are there on record. Maybe three or four are available. One of them is her first fight. Now, I believe it was her opponent's second or third fight granted, but still, it was only her second or third fight. And it, which we'll get to this at the end. We'll see how many females are on my list. We'll see how many females are on Brian's list. And we'll discuss the dynamic about that potentially on what that might have to say socially, stereotypically, or whatever. Neither here nor there. It is a little harder to digest the females, which we can unpack later. Um, Cynthia Calvillo faces a girl named Jessica Sanchez. You don't know her because this fight took place at, again, GKO7. August 27, 2016. Again, Cynthia Calvillo hasn't been in the UFC that long. Yeah. But literally her professional career, I think she only had four fights before her UFC career or her UFC debut was her fourth fight. Regardless, all of them happened in 2016. So, like, she only had one year professional experience. She was right in the UFC. So, again, I'm not hating on female fights when I have my fights to avoid. But the reason why... Female fights are my fights to avoid is because lack of sample size. And it yeah, just shows you. So Even a promising girl like Cindy Calvillo, who got thrown into the shark pit and did well, she was an outlier. She got thrown in early and did well. Even she has a lack of sample size. But I'm sorry if I'm digressing here. No, if you're you, not. If you dive into her sample size, you'll go into her first fight. Her first fight is a pro, even though she had extensive amateur career. Her opponent's second or third fight is a pro, Jessica Sanchez. Herb Dean, an experienced referee. I love Herb Dean. Y'all know. Y'all know I love Herb Dean if you listen to this podcast. Herb Dean was in this fight, Brian, okay? And it's on YouTube. You can watch it. I know you haven't watched this fight, and it's not, a, it's not a knock on you. And most people listen to him and watch this fight. But you can watch this fight. And uh, I think the first round is pretty even, but more importantly, the second round. I don't know if the fight ends in the second or third, but literally a whole round goes by where Cynthia Calvillo's in mount. Um... A theme that might repeat itself in my or maybe even Brian's list. I don't know Brian's list, but this this was a ground and pound stoppage with elbows on the ground in particular, okay? This might be a common theme coming up. She pounds on her really good, and it just it just should have been stopped. There's about three points where this could have been stopped. That was a water drinking by Luca Man over there. <laughs> They're just ruining this whole thing. No, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> Speaking of fights, it's like elbow, elbows just going from the top and... Her, it's just one of those things where it's like Herb Deem is right there. He's got a good position. He's looking right at the fight. But he just doesn't stop it. <laughs> oh, and like, hey, listen, listen. Do you know your boy Dan Tom. Oh, if yeah. anybody understands spacing out or checking out, there's something right in front of your head and just fucking checking out. I get Definitely. it. But man, again, the reason why it's a thankless job, if you do it while you're a referee, it, it could mean a lot. Definitely. And this girl took a fucking beating. Um, she was she was bloodied open about a minute before it was even stopped, and Ugh. it could have been stopped before she was bloodied open, mind you. Just taking mount, just unanswered shots, doing that thing where they're they're turning away, where they're too tough to tap, but the body language does tell you something. Where they, they obviously if they go out, the body language speaks to you. Even a bad referee will stop at that point. But the worst part, which is, again, this is probably going to be a theme going forward in the honorable mentions in the list. When they turn away, that's so funny. That's exactly what I was just thinking. And they the don't, honorable mentions. It's not. Yeah. It didn't make my list, but the okay. honorable mentions were all those, ones right? where they turn away. And where that's it's a big like, sign where they should yeah, stop. It's like where it's like too tough. It's, I, I don't out, want to stop. I kind of wish you would knock me I out. I can't go out. Yeah, yet. exactly. They're not hitting me hard enough to go yeah. out. But I've been taking a beating for fucking or like three Dustin or four minutes. Poirier and uh, 
the Hawaiian uh, Yancey Medeiros. And they're yeah. scrapping. And at the end, he's like, man, you had me up against the fence. I was like, you better knock me out, man. You better knock me out. Yeah. That's crazy. Absolutely, yeah. It's crazy. Absolutely. Because he's such 100%. a tough motherfucker. 100%. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Crazy. And Cynthia Calvillo, Jessica Sanchez, and another theme that will reappear on my list. That's a theme in my list. Maybe a theme on your list. Jessica Sanchez, she's a young girl. I didn't list her age for this fight, but she was in her 20s. This fight was over a year ago. She hasn't had a fight since. Which kind of adds to the... Probably was a bad stoppage. I hope. It's not because I pray. As somebody who's still dealing with concussion issues from an incident that's over two years old. Although, it is attributed from a lifetime of martial arts that I've been in. Throwing punches and kicks since 1992 and having them thrown at me. I'm sure my brain isn't 100%. Okay? Yeah. But yeah. um, As somebody who still deals with concussion issues. When I see that. When they end up on my list. And they don't have a fight since. It justifies my pick, but it doesn't make me feel any better for it. So that's my number five. Sorry for the long thing on such a regional fight that nobody probably even knows about. Very hipster pick, as you know, Dan Tom puts his hipster pick five. (laughs) His hipster pick five. But that's my number five, Brian. My number five is probably a little bit more opinion-based, just because I was such a big fan of this person. But my number five is BJ Penn versus Rory McDonald. Yes, thank you for putting this on. Okay, so I, I, in my honest opinion, like in this fight, it could have been stopped halfway through yes. the second round. Yeah, yeah. And 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 this is like I'm proud of BJ Penn for being such a tough motherfucker, and I love to see him like take those beatings. But that one was really painful, man. He's like bending in half to body shots. He's being damaged more so than like I've seen him take in any fight ever, probably. It was painful to watch. And for me, that wasn't necessarily a fight that maybe a lot of people would say, no, this fight needs to be fucking stopped or like yeah. let it fight. And I'm sure even BJ Penn would say, yo, you're a bitch. You should have let that fight keep going if it was stopped earlier. Yeah, 100%. But... My honest, like, and that's why I'm saying, like, my picks are a little bit more personally, like, they're based off of my personal experiences with the fights and my love for the fight game, but that was brutal to watch, and this was before I even liked Rory McDonald, to be completely honest with you. Yeah. Rory McDonald was a late bloomer in my fandom. Me too, as well, yeah. For mixed martial artists, so at the time, I was rooting against him, and to see him doing that to one of The crowd was rooting against him. Yeah, to see him doing that against one of my favorite guys, like a fucking serial killer, like, looking back now, it's impressive as shit for Rory McDonald, and it makes me like him more, but... At the time, it was the last thing I wanted to see happening to BJ Penn. So for me, that was one of those, like, God, please, for the love of God, it's BJ Penn. Who cares about it? He's never been dropped, never been stopped record. Just fucking end this shit. That was just kind of that moment for me. But that was my number five. Dude, I'm so glad you had this on there. It's on my honorable mention right here. Nice. This was UFC on Fox 5, uh, December 8th, 2012. Who was the ref of that? Levine? I don't have the ref... Something. It was Herb Dean, actually. Oh, it was Herb Dean. I remember because he was taking a close look at BJ in that second That's round. That's right. Oh, you're right. In the second yeah, round, like you say that, because round, he took... Yeah. It, literally oh, in 45 God. seconds, he was already kind of losing by the time... That, it was like a minute. It was like a round and a quarter or a round and a half. Yeah. Okay, into the second. And within a 45-second span, BJ folded from three liver shots. One liver shot is enough to get a oh, fighter out of there, by God. the way. yeah. Your liver Jesus shot is like you shake the BJ got folded by three liver shots. Yes. Folded. One, at least one clean knee. Yeah. Two solid right hands to the head. Two head kicks. 
And what was connecting all those devastating fight ending strikes were jabs, left jabs, and right body shots. That was connecting the liver shots, the head kicks, and the right hands to the head. All of those stats within 40 to 45 seconds in one pocket of the second round, BG absorbed all those that I said. And that wasn't the end of it. That wasn't even close to the end of it. Oh, no. And what makes this extra particularly hard because, again... Not only was Warren McDonald kind of blossoming, it was kind of a harsh thing because I still don't like fighters, which we mentioned Nick. One of the reasons why I don't like Nick Lentz, why I was harsh on him and I don't hold back on him. He talks so much. He talks so much fucking shit and can't get his shit together. He didn't even write it. He gets another fucking write. This is another fucking story. Um, But this was not funny. So anyways, forget Nick Lentz. But uh, Roy McDonald did something Nick Lentz did, which was kind of upsetting, which was he called... BJ was out of retirement, okay? He... Took that random drop off. He loses to Frankie Edgar. He has a rematch. And where he should, where you're like, that was maybe a fluke, right? It was a close fight. Some people scored the first fight for BJ. He's going to correct himself at 118. He doesn't. Even Anderson Silva has a fucking talk with, has a heart to heart with BJ Penn at the airport going, what's wrong with you? What was that all about? BJ comes back. He has a draw with John Fitch at welterweight, which people are surprised because he out wrestles the wrestler. Yeah. But he just, but again, BJ, it wasn't the skills. He was out skilling John Fitch to fucking death. It was the uh, same thing with BJ. Game. He ran out of gas, right? Oh, yeah. So he gets the draw. Then he fights Nick Diaz, which that's a brutal one. You could point to that one as far I almost mentioned it's it hard, because right? of the beating was a little right. bit more brutal. It seems like it, but you the know what? I rewatched taken. that fight. I rewatched yeah. that fight, and BJ Penn is firing back. Oh, Even yeah. come to the third round, Nick he's firing back. Up, and he fucking closed Nick's eye. Yeah. Like He oh, fucked yeah. Nick up. He took the first round. But even the second and third where he was taking the beating, what, as crazy as it sounds... Wasn't as bad as I thought, which is why, if I didn't already, which Technic podcast listeners know, I've used BJ Penn a little too much. <laughs> so I've I've banned. I don't even but know look, this. Yeah, but look, dude, look, I've been watching fights since right. since we've been friends, and yes. the one name that you and I have been talking about the longest is BJ Penn. Hundred percent. So so it's 100%. not against you. How like you can't hate on yourself. Hard. This is part of history. This just shows, yeah, it's look, it shows that you grew up in an era where this guy who is now obviously getting destroyed by current, the current state of the lightweight, featherweight, whatever weight division he wants to fight in, it it shows that at one point he was the baddest motherfucker alive, man. And we watched it. We got to thankfully watch that and share those moments live. And that's what MMA is about. What's going on right now? It's weight classes. We have more weight classes than we ever had. But yet we can't fucking fill cards. We can't sell pay-per-views. It's at an all-time low. The sport's in jeopardy. And all the top fighters that we all love, all the fighters that the business side of it loves, all those are the same topic now. And what's all the same thing? They all want... All the fighters are smart. I don't want... Even guys that aren't big money fighters are like, I don't want a guy that... That's not going to do any. Everybody's fucking business savvy. And good for yeah. them. They deserve it. They sure. deserve more than they get. But what I'm saying is it is also a bummer on the fucking monosyllabic side of, the, of it where it's like, what do we want? We want fucking real men who are doing what Conor McGregor did, but not just doing it before Conor McGregor did like BJ Penn did. He might not have got the fight with Mayweather, but he was bucking for De La Hoya and big names at the time. Totally. And Dana White literally is quoted every week, not month, every fight. No, every fucking week having to talk BJ Penn from going from heavyweight to boxing or this or that. And you know what the argument was? That it was impractical. It wasn't money. <clears throat> it wasn't contracts. It wasn't any of the bullshit that are stopping from all the fights all you fucks listening to this want to see now. I know Ben farted again. We're all stopping money and contracts. You know what What didn't stop BJ Penn from that? Yeah, he had his little contract disputes, but it wasn't over fucking money. And he doesn't have the best record. You might not even have liked him as a person or style or whatever. 
But you cannot deny that everything we want fundamentally as a fighter, as a champion, as a pound-for-pound pound great. He did everything. He doesn't have the best record, but especially even without the fucking positive drug test of John Jones and Anderson Silva, two of the greats, even without those drug tests, I dare you. Go find another fighter more courageous. I'll wait. I'll wait. Find me another more fighter more courageous. Not this GSP I'm going to pick and f- pick and choose my fights yeah, bullshit. Well, just think about how much time we've spent on talking about this one fight, and it was his worst fight. And I, this almost made my list. It was on there because, you know, you're right. Because, the, the, like I said, the Nick Diaz fight, he was fighting back more than it yeah. was. Well, that was and it. He, he was actually, showed the same right. signs of, like, wilting under the pressure, right. but he gave it back. When the Roy McDonald fight, mm-hmm. he wilted under the pressure and he didn't give it back. He didn't give it back. That was the difference. He, 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 he wasn't out of it. Like he, had a, he didn't give it back, but at the same sense, he did have a better third round than the second because the second round was the round where he took all the damage that both me and Brian alluded to. But the reason why it's so important in the scheme of things, because BJ Penn's one of those career guys. It was There's many guys that are that I don't want to say because I don't want to burn anybody potentially on me or Brian's list or anybody else's list that could have been on here for a career. But they were such tough sons of a bitches that they never gave you that fight that maybe could have made this list. If any of BJ's fights could have made this list, it was this fight. Because after this fight, what was it? It was his 145 drop for the third fight with Edgar, which sadly I was at. Like, and what it was the disgusting. Fuck was that? He, and he's been a skeleton since that, right? God, no. Like, even though he didn't well, he prepare. He just shows the same unwillingness to engage right. in a fight. He shot, but even physically though, like he looks yeah. like a skeleton. Like at least, even though he could have been more cut up. In fact, people were excited at this fight because remember, like BJ Penn released a video before he fights Roy McDonald where he was cut up. But as BJ Penn's roller coaster, which hopefully we find out someday, what the fuck was going on in those camps? He actually showed up more bloated than he did in the preview video. Guys are usually more in shape come fight time because they have a weight cut. But BJ Penn actually showed up out of shape, which was weird. He actually like, digressed from within training camp, which is a whole other story. Even with digressing, with he still showed up looking better than he ever did. As far as like he still looked like BJ Penn because he looked like a skeleton when he showed up at one forty five. Oh, man, God. and even not even so much the weight cut because if you look at the in between photos between those camps for the next three years that followed after the Roy fight, which by the way I remember that. Do you remember we watched with Quentin? We watched at my old place. By the way, this was the first fight where like you could order pay per views in HD up to this point, but most of the time we were cheap and we would order non HD. Not only <laughs> most that, most of the time, Dan, we still order that shit in standard. We still what do. We still do. We're fucking cheap. We're still cheap. But this was one of the first <laughs> fights. Okay, this was USC on Fox Five. I know we're spending way too much time on this fight. But this was USC on Fox Five, guys. And I remember like I, I was so cheap that I didn't pay for like any of the HD channels, but Fox and certain channels give you free. Oh, HD geez. on certain channels if you have HD TV, and this was this fight was in 2012. I had an HD TV from 2009, which I still have because I'm a cheap bastard. Neither here nor there. Speaking of cheap, but remember, I remember. But more, more importantly, even though UFC was offering those pay per view options, guys, this was one. This was the first, at least the first UFC on Fox fight. Maybe the first UFC fight where they were filming with HD cameras. And remember, they had the HD slow-mo replays. So we're watching oh, upstairs in my room. Remember that with Quinn and all those? That. And they're showing the slow-mos of BJ Penn getting hit, and you see the oh, reverberation. Oh, and, wow. and, and, and remember, remember it was like me and you were BJ Penn fans, but Quinn and other people that were watching with us never watched it before, and they were like, they were like this guy fucking sucks. <laughs> like, he's getting tooled. I like, forgot all about that? that. You were there. I was so there. Damn. And that, that was, it was like when they first brought in the like, HD. the slow-mo. <laughs> we were like, stop me playing it. Yeah, 
that's crazy. I didn't even like think about that. Like, yeah, that's because crazy. that same house, which we watched downstairs, we watched Diego Sanchez yeah. dismantling a BJ Penn. Like, oh yeah, we or, watched two complete DJ Penn pens in the house. I bet good old pervy Sean that uh, Anderson Silva was going to beat Chael Sonnen, and Chael Sonnen was whooping his ass for five rounds. Same house. Anyways, no so kidding. speaking of talking about BJ Penn yes. too much, let's move on to your second. Pick. Yeah, let's move on to the <laughs> number five. Your four pick. Well, which is wait one second, which brings us to my number four. This one we just talked about kind of recently, maybe not recently. I, I know I brought it up to you, but uh, this one is one that is one of the first ones that came up in my head. This happened <clears throat> on February twenty second. 2014. Oh. This was Mike Pyle versus TJ Wahlberger. You motherfucker. God damn, it's on your list. This is my number three. <laughs> okay, uh, we're going to double dive. Yeah, right, we're we're gonna, gonna double yeah dive. this we is a really good one to double dip on. All right. This, this is a good one to double dip on. This was, uh, you got it higher on your list, so I, I'll let you go. But I guess I, what I want to ask you, though, because I want to ask this anyways, was... Fight Pass edits a lot of stuff out, but I yeah. could have swore. Now, Joe Silva has, notori- has notorious reactions for many fights. This was one where I remember playing for you where I went, like, dude, look at Joe. You could see Joe Silva react in the background where he's, like, almost waving his hands going, no, stop it. Oh, I didn't see really? it. I don't know about that. I didn't see it, though, on the last I one. That. I know. I remember that fight. That, that yeah, I've watched this one. multiple times because we've talked about this right, like, multiple right. times. I don't know what fight that was. I thought it was this fight, but when I watched the replay today, I know Fight Pass sometimes also has two versions as well. Yeah. Not just edits their things, which makes things extra confusing. Yeah. But this was on mine. This was a really bad stoppage. This Brian. is my three. Or, this this one I struggled with my three and four. This was okay. like back okay. and forth between right. three and four. Uh, this one takes three just because I think there were visible signs of him being really hurt. Before he ever hit the ground. Yeah. So that to me is the biggest issue in this fight was that he was rocked clearly in the clinch. It was around three stoppage, by the yes. way. Yes, it was around three stoppage after all that fight. Yeah, and I, yeah, I rewatched this true. It was a round three stoppage. So the thing for me was that he was visibly rocked. You hear the announcers say he's rocked. He gets hit. He's acting like he's scrambling. He looks like he's doing the normal, typical thing, but when you really look closely, he's completely out of it, and it's all muscle memory. From yeah. one elbow. There's an elbow where he's rolling yeah. on his side, and you see his head is pinned to the ground. There's nowhere to go. Nowhere to go. His head has nowhere to it's go. the worst shots. And it's also on his temple side Oof, as yes. he's rolling in. Yes. So he's trying to roll from either, I don't remember if it was whether it was his back to his stomach or his stomach to his back. I think it was his back to his stomach. He's rolling over... As Pyle drops that elbow down, and it just sma- and from that point on, it was different. It, he was yeah. rocked then, but then he was just autopilot rolling. He didn't even know what the hell was going on. And every strike from that point, in my opinion, was sickening. It was hard to watch. In my opinion, he actually went out twice. That uh, once that hit the ground, once yeah. that started, in my opinion, he went out twice and was woken up from the strikes because yeah, of the that's lack a really stoppage. good point too. That's, that's a just really my good opinion. observation. Yeah, no, I mean honestly, I mean, I feel like there was one defining moment in the the ground exchange where it was like, holy shit, why hasn't this stopped? And that was the strike. But as far as he was visibly rocked before the ground ever happened, is weird. Like many, uh, maybe even honorable mention, but I know for sure more choices to come on this list. This was one where I can I watched multiple times and I can point to three points where I, I can point where I can comfortably, fairly say it should have been stopped. 
and at least two points for sure. Possibly three. I want to say three. But again, Dan Tom likes to give the benefit of the doubt. So you can hear it here. At least two. I believe he went out and was woken up by a strike, and it was tough. And I'm like Pyle fan. I was happy yeah, to see him do well. We're both like Pyle fan. Yeah. We, we go. We were rooting for crazy for my Pyle. You think we're about to be like, don't uh, you know, don't stop the fight? I mean, I mean, let's be real. That was brutal. I don't even know who T.J. Wahlberger was to be completely honest. with you. Well, to go with my theme of number five, Brian. Speaking of T.J. Wahlberger, you want to know his last fight? Mike Pyle. Jesus, no kidding. Yeah, three years ago. Oh, he, he was young, too, he right? He was a decade younger than Pyle. He was 27 years old, and Mike Pyle's 37 at the time. He hasn't fought since that fight. He hasn't fought. He didn't even enter his prime by that fight, and did he, he hasn't say, been back. Did he say a reason why? I don't know. I didn't search that far, but that kind of speaks loud uh, enough, doesn't it, guys? Uh, he didn't have the greatest record in the sick. UFC. He didn't that have the biggest ceiling, sick. but still... That, that, that makes me feel sick. I'm sorry. I mean, there again, that's why I'm not trying to bring like a play of a violin for myself and the issues that I'm dealing with because I realize that I am not the only motherfucker dealing with both concussion syndrome. Yeah. Like, I didn't even have to get to pros to fucking have my life altered. And now I've all, I've, hey, I've spent it for the better. I'm not complaining. I am yeah. grateful as fuck to be where I am but that's a rare but even my situation I'm not rolling in dough there's no promise in my future but even my situation is better than most and is super rare and that's fucking sad because there's so many of these stories like a TJ Wahlberger or a Jessica Sanchez all these fighters we will will never know probably that probably don't get mentioned anywhere else Yeah, maybe only might get mentioned on this podcast maybe one of the last relevant mentions they sadly get because they're at home fucking dealing with issues. Yeah, but you too, man. I mean, yours is a lifetime of concussions. It's not just that yeah. one that sets well, you out yeah, the fucking true. game, you know? And it could be with these people too, and that's but the that's thing. The but that's the worst thing. It's like, heroes. these guys are probably... Unsung. Yeah, these guys are probably the same scenario, but they just kept going. No. Because they felt like it was the only out. That's what I'm saying, man. This is a humanizing podcast yes. as far as talking about the real things that matter. Yeah, we're not trying to depress you guys. Yeah. We're going to try yeah, to end this on a positive note before but we end it. Every promise, MMA but... fan has had this thought, and that's why this is such an intriguing topic, yeah. and that's why I was so stoked to talk about it. Yeah, and if you shouldn't have this thought, well, you should, and you know what? You're not the only one. Yeah. Maybe stoked might not be the best word, but like you said, there was a, there was probably more reaction and submissions for this list than any other list we've done. And yeah, we're, and we're what's crazy on is spoiler: but, a lot of them were similar to what we're talking about. Yeah, some of them, them are the same ones. Some of them are going to match our picks, and that just shows you the truth about it. Well, did you give your number four then? I have it. Let's so give us your number, number four. four right. is, is going to be Chris Weidman versus. Can you guess? It's going to be one of two, but I'm glad I left Chris Wyman off my list. You're not going to step on mine. I'm going to guess either Mark Munoz or Rock, Luke Rockhold. It was Mark Munoz. Oh, good pick. This yeah, one almost, so, that's the one that almost so made mine. Good. The reason this made my top picks is one, because it's one of my favorite strikes that led to a stoppage ever. That was an amazing strike. With that overhand yes. elbow. It was fucking And he cool. rolled out oh, underneath, it was, even though there was no strike there. It was amazing. It was picture perfect. But not, not that's not the reason. The reason that I said this was this was the struggle between three and four, and the reason is because I, Munoz is kind of on his way out. It wasn't such a tragic thing, but god damn, watching him get ground and pounded till blood was gushing out of his forehead—that was just sickening to me, man. I mean, 
Josh Rosenthal, Josh Rosenthal, yep, yep, correct, must have been smoking some serious reefer from his factories of weed at that time. <laughs> yes, because he just sat there like, "Holy Stare, shit, he had a, good a lot of blood coming out of his forehead. I should probably just let this keep going." Like there was no way yeah. Munoz was going to do anything, anything from that point. But fuck, man. I mean, I, that that was my number four, and the reason that it, it landed number four was because. I felt like it was stopped soon enough to not be, like, tragic, but still worth the mention because what a beating from one strike to dropping to just taking ground and pound. So, so my strike count, I agree, and it didn't make my list, so I guess I can't say I disagree with your opinion there, but ironically, on the strike count for overly striking past where it should have been, I counted some of the strikes on my list, both honorable mention that are on my list, None ranked higher than this fight, but it still didn't make my list. It's deserved, obviously. This is one of those fights that I figured I know it was going to be in a lot of honorable mentions. Was hoping it would be on your list so we could talk about it. Yeah. So I left it off my list for that reason. More than deserved, but most of the shots after the bell, I think I have three fights that are eleven, which wait, is atrocious. Wait, most, after Not the, after the after bell, the but after 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 when arguably it should have been stopped when somebody was so clearly he landed out. eleven strikes on no Munoz. no. Oh. Three of the fights that are on my list slash off my list oh my and coincidentally God. with the number 11, Munoz versus Wyman beat everything on the list with 14. And there are two buffer shots in there before the elbow hits when Kenny Florian even is calling that he's already out, which you would argue. There are two shots between the elbow that dropped him and where I started counting. So in other words, there's that's potentially sixteen shots. Jesus, that's one step I miss. I should have. And there's no, no, no blame, no, no fault. I'm just a oh, fucking yeah. serial killer nut. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, fourteen shots. That was on UFC on Fuel TV for February 11th, 2012. And yeah, Rosenthal had a clear view, and it's funny because you said the it weed was, thing. Because do you remember Brian? Right after you're one of the people that watched fights with me. What did I all say about Rosenthal before we knew about the weed thing? What did I all accuse him of? Smoking weed. No, no, I didn't. Oh. I would call him. Maybe it was more Steve. It was definitely more Steve. But like, uh, I would always say like, like, because Josh Rosenthal always had this fucking like grin, like this weird, like shifty eyes thing where he looked left or <laughs> right when they were like, and Josh Rosenthal are free, and he looked kind of left or right, like shady. I'd be like, well, every time, like it was, it was the weirdest thing, but I'd be like. We got fight parties. Like, watch your drink, ladies and gentlemen. Josh Rosenthal, oh. Josh the date rapist Rosenthal, because he was literally a date rapist. Like that was my thing. I'm like, I don't know why, but this guy I looks hope, like a fucking date rapist. I hope Josh Rosenthal listens to this oh, fucking. Fuck, I hope not because I actually like him. Now I hope next time you see me, he's gonna be like, oh yeah, the date rapist is Josh Rosenthal. Huh? I actually like Josh Rosenthal more. <laughs> finding out that he was a weed kingpin, which you know, I'm sure. <laughs> Spoiler alert. The fact that we found that he was... I felt bad. I was like, first of all, I should be feeling bad accusing anybody of being a date rapist with no clear proof, okay? First of all. Second of all, I felt extra bad because I was like, Weed Kingpin? He probably wasn't that bad of a guy. It's true. It's true. He couldn't be that bad. Let's be real. But yeah, that was just funny on that bit. That's awesome, Brian. Brian... In, in, in the order of brevity, or you know, maybe just pushing things forward, why don't we change pace? Why don't you double dip there? Why don't we switch up? We'll have you kick off first. Going number three. Go back to back, sir. What's your number three? All right, let me uh, look at my list here because I've had a couple of uh, alcoholic beverages. <laughs> my we number both th- had, by the way. So three. Oh, we already talked about my number three. So if we're going to talk about it, it's got to be my number two. And I don't know if we want to go there yet. 
Okay, why don't I give my... I'm going to go ahead and say that it's probably on your list. Why don't I give my number three then, and then we'll have you kick off number two. That'll be a better, cleaner transition. Because we already gave up number three, yeah. Okay, all right, fair enough. Well, what do I... Wait, wait, wait. Did you give your number... You gave your number four too, right? Yeah, we're good. Okay, we're good. We're good. We're caught up. Fuck it. I'm going to go number... Shit, I'm already on my number... No, I'm on my number three then. Yeah, you are. Yeah, that's right. Your number four was my number three. This one, you might have seen... uh, Not on my search history. God, go. Hope you see my search history. (laughs) No, but uh, it was on my tabs. You're like, what the fuck are you looking at that for, Dan? Jesus, we're going here again, Dan. This is my number two. Oh, shit. But go for it. Okay. Let's go for it. Brian thought I was looking for fat material, as he called it. <laughs> but it was my number three, Miju Tate versus Ronda Rousey one. I'm pretty sure we watched this in the same room together. Yes. Is that the fuck you're talking about, sir? That, that, number two. that was my number two, yeah. That's why I didn't want to talk about it, because well, I, knew, I knew this was going to be on your list. Well, it's higher on your list, so let me set it up to you since yeah, I have some dates here, and then, and then I want go. you to touch on it as your number two. We watched this together, so it's got to be talked about. Okay. Well, this one happened in a strike force, as hopefully you all know. The ref was Mark Matney, which is not a notable ref, but we got to be able to say the name here. Yes. Mark Matney. And uh, this was, I believe, the second female headlining fight because the first, as you all know, was Corona versus Cyborg. Um, I believe this was the second Rousey versus Tate headlining fight. March 3rd, 2012. Brian, why is this your number two? Did you see her fucking elbow? Yeah. Why the fuck else would this be my number two, Dan Tom? We have to have a submission on there, right? <laughs> I mean, really. Like, okay, look. Like, I'm all about being mentally tough and not right. wanting to fucking quit. I am all about that. I think that that is one of the most admiring factors in any person, let alone a fighter. But, god damn it. There are only so many clips in MMA that I can rewatch and get sick by, and that is one of them, man. I mean, her elbow did a full 90 degrees the opposite direction, if not further, okay? I'm, I'm just saying. And I know that this is on any hardcore MMA guys or gals list of things, but realistically, man, that was one of the most sickening things I've witnessed in MMA. Outside of, like, actual broken bones, because after the fact, we all thought that she was never going to fight again, her arm is done forever, but it wasn't nearly as bad. Thankfully, elbows are a lot more durable than we thought. But it's one of those things where, in the moment, you're thinking, like, how could she ever recover from such an injury? You know? And we saw Ronda Rousey's fight previously, right before that. At Strike Force. Well, it was the second to last one, Sarah D'Elio. I, I thought it was the one right before as well. I just oh, so she we saw Sarah D'Elio. It was the one before that where, oh, okay. where BJ Penn was cornering Pat Healy. And That's right, yeah. We love BJ it, Penn, yeah. but worst fucking corner man ever. Be first, man! Be first! No, yeah. Be oh, first, man! It always, <laughs> no, he was gonna say it. He was like, come on, Healy! Healy! Come on, Healy! Yeah, Healy! That's what he said. He called him Healy. He didn't call him. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why I loved it, yeah. That's how you can know it's BJ Penn. He's like, come on, Healy! That was great because the palm was so intimate, you could hear everything from that venue. And we actually heard Sarah D'Elio's arm pop. Remember that? We could actually hear the arm pop. But I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sidetrack. Sorry from the... No, no. It's true. No. I mean, that's all I have to really say about the Misha Tate Ronda Rousey thing. Is like, how could you look at that elbow and that not be in the top... Two, three. Yeah, I remember I was struggling because I was like, I don't, which I I was eventually proved right on for being suspect on Ronda Rousey's personality, by the way. But I was torn because part of me is like, I should be rooting for Ronda because she's part of my lineage, you know? She comes from Hyastan, which is Gokor Dravichian. Um, you know, that's why she had guys like Manny Gambirian in his corner, Manny Gambirian's cousin, Carl Parisian, 
only awarded one black belt, which was to my instructor, Neil Melanson, who trained at highest standard, new go-kart, Ronda, Manny. So, I mean, again, my lineage was kind of tied to Ronda. But I'd be lying if I said I wasn't rooting for Misha Tate. We yeah, watched oh, that we fight together. Totally we were all were. Oh, and it was funny. Rewatching this fight, it almost didn't make my list because even though the bend was as gruesome as I remember, it was for much shorter than I remember. It yeah. was only for three to five seconds. Now, the longest... Because we watched that shit in slow-mo so many Yeah, times we afterwards. did too as well. So it almost didn't make my list for that. But the, maybe the fact that I needed submission, but more so... Even beyond the fact that I wanted a submission to round out my list, which is not done with, neither is your list. No need to peek ahead for yeah. yours. But yeah. my list, I'm kind of tilting my hand, sorry. Um, I wanted a submission for. More importantly, um, when it came to, uh, again, I can't, thankfully I have my list already done, but I can't really avoid, since I do run the social media for both accounts and all the different social medias for At The PYM Podcast, I can't really avoid not seeing your contributions, which I appreciate. Can't really avoid not seeing it. Luckily, I have my voice done before, but I I did see this one in, in, in a couple of lists, which we'll get to in the next segment. So it shows that we weren't the only ones that it's affected. So, uh, yeah, that that was that was my, my number three. So, Brian, on that note, what is your number two? You kick things off now. This is the That was over. my number two, so I only got number one left. Fuck dude. you. That was my number two. Okay, well, I'll go <laughs> my number two. I'll go with my number two then. Another female fight. Again, maybe this speaks to something. This is another thing. You know, a lot of the common... Again, not to tip the hand too much, but a lot of the common thread here is elbows and ground and pound in female fights, okay? Yes. Which says something for these, okay? Well, you, look, you can choose to look deeper or not. But I feel like if people besides me and Brian, I feel like that would be the commonality in their list too, for what that's worth. This was another female fight. It did not headline. And I remember this fight. I remember being angry about it and rewatching it. I got just as angry. But you know why we forgot about it, Brian? Because it, it, it had the, the unfortunate reality of taking place during another memorable fight. This was Strike Force Verdun vs. Fedor. And anything that happened on the card of Verdun vs. Fedor might have all been forgotten about. Because, you know, I'm going to be honest because I'm having a real hard time to win a fight. Yeah, all we remember is what, what, what do we remember from that card? For Doom vs. Fedor, right? fight that really mattered. Oh, one of the biggest fight. upsets of all time, right? Ever. Well, this happened right before that fight. It literally is the co-main event. This was Chris Cyborg vs. Jan Finney. Oh, you remember that now? Fuck, I do remember that fight. And that it was, was really card? uncomfortable because oh, you had God, even... Un- you even had... Talk about sacrificial land. You even had dumbass Gus... Remember Gus Johnson and how much we loved his commentary, Brian? You even had Gus Johnson screaming for it to stop. Um, this was a really bad stoppage. You know who the ref was? Win a date with Kim Winslow. That's right, Kim Winslow. I wonder why she stopped refing fights. Well, go back and watch this fight and you can be reminded why. The big assignments Kim Winslow got were fucking terrible. Kim Winslow looks like, like if you guys are friends of, uh, fans of Family Guy, there's an episode where like Peter Griffin revisits the girl who he was supposed to go to prom with in the early 80s and stood up. And she's still there like 30 years later in the same prom dress, fucking rotting with the same haircut. That's Kim Winslow. Kim Winslow is the girl you stood up with in the 80s and is still there looking at the door. Like a fucking Japanese World War II soldier not leaving his post. Kim Winslow probably has not shaved since the 80s. She's not prepped anything for landing. Okay, let's be honest. Here, look at Brian's dying. Yes! 
fucking yeah, one of the most dance going. One of the, yeah, oh fucking Kim, Kim Winslow is a fucking monster. Kim Winslow to the list of Michael Bay yeah. enemies. Terrible. <laughs> I was getting so angry at her. Like, forget her personal lookings and my observations aside. This was terrible. Like, the fight should have been stopped. Like, some like she got Jan Finney got dropped four times in the first round. Four times. If you're wanting to say MMA is more entertaining and more safer than boxing, being dropped four times in a round and allowed to continue is not the statistic you want to help your argument. In fact, amongst that beating, when it could have been one of the many times to where I lost count where it could have been appropriate to stop this fight, Brian, one of the times where it could have been appropriate, Kim Winslow stepped in to stop the fight. And even the commentators called it as a stop because not only was it appropriate, it looked like a stop. No. It was amongst the barrage that Cyborg already dropped Jan Finney. Landed like 20 shots of ground and pound. Maybe the 19th of the 20th blow after already dropping her for the third or fourth time in the round. One of those 20 follow-up shots landed to the back of the head. So what did Kim Winslow do? Like a sadistic person capturing somebody who murdered your mother. You don't want to just torture them because that's not enough. You want to plug the IV. To get them to bring them back to life, so you can torture them again. Well, that's what Kim Winslow did to Jan Finney Jesus because Christ. she said instead of stopping the fight, goes no, no, illegal shot. Get to your corner, Chris. Illegal shot. Let Jan Finney recover enough to where she could like stand on her own because she couldn't even stand on her own by this point. She was too off balance. She was too rocked. She gets Jan Finney to the point where she can barely fucking stand on her own and lets her take her take more of a beating. The round ends. It still doesn't stop from her corner, the doctors, or the ref in between round. She's forced to go back out after being dropped and beaten. Dropped four times, beaten enough for a stop. That was over four times they could have stopped the fight. Comes back out for the first round, takes more of a beating. And is finally fucking stopped. And, ooh, coincidentally, when's the last time we've seen fucking Kim Winslow ref? Hmm. What the well, fuck happened there? Since then, that fight. Good riddance. I'm sure she did, but oh, I was gonna say, but um, I don't remember ever seeing her fight. in a main event fight before or since, and she hasn't been really refereeing since. So you know what's funny about that Not is I totally forgot about that. I saw people mention that? that, but it didn't even like really register. Because we you just so gave me PTSD. Yeah, talking about that fight because you're right. That was brutal. It was like it was like the definition of sacrificial lamb. Yeah, it was disgusting. It was disgusting. So man. I have a feeling that our number one may be the same, but I don't know yet. Maybe not. What's your number one? You're, you're up first not. anyway, so okay, I don't think so it's the same. So It's probably not, actually. Not, I think. All right, number one, sir. My number one. I rewatched this number one to ensure that it sat at its number one position. My number one is Stipe Miocic versus Mark Hunt. Nice. Because that fight could have been stopped... Four and a half minutes in yes, to the third round. Yes. And it went until two and a half minutes in the fifth round. Yep. Look, I mean, I've watched it countless times. Mark Hunt may have landed eight solid shots that were even competing with what was going on. The jab controlled the whole fight. I gotta pull up my notes for this because there were some things that the doctor said that made this actually sickening. While you pull up those notes, this was Ultimate Fight Night 65 in Australia. The referee was John Sharp. This was on May 10th, 2015. 
Um, I believe there was some kind of last minute nature to this, which kind of makes it. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was not last minute. This no, was, not last minute this nature. Was they were originally fighting. Jesus. All right, go ahead. Yeah, then let's pull that. So, go ahead. In between the fourth and fifth round, after Mark Hunt's whole right side of his face is swollen shut, yeah. I'm sure he couldn't even see out of his eye. He's yep. being too tough. The doctor comes in. Doctor talks to Mark Hunt. The doctor goes to the referee, looks at the referee, and says. If you see him go offline, you have got to call it. Literally yeah. says, if he goes offline. That's a terrible thing to say about a human being's consciousness. And then, at the very end, right before the fight is stopped, you hear John Anik say, When is enough enough? And that's just sickening to me, man. I mean, it just became the point where we talk about fights where we sit there and we yell and scream at the TV. That was one of them. That was a brutal one, dude. I'm glad you put that on there because uh, it almost made my list. I know it was on a lot of the people's list. And one, I was going to say the way John Sharp and Steve Personable get a lot of booze, if you, know, if you notice, because they are just terrible at stopping fights early or late. And it seems worse when they have an Australian fighter because they want to play to the crowd. And I'll say, like, uh, go watch Steve Percival when he refs Ryan Bader versus Anthony Baroche. It was like three rounds of just ground and pound. And unfortunately, slash fortunately, more unfortunately, Ryan Bader doesn't have knockout power to his ground and pound. So Steve Percival just allowed Anthony Baroche, a 40-year-old man, to plus just, just take a fucking yeah. beating. It I was gross. That one. Yeah, I watched that one too. And it's almost like this weird thing is like you're playing to the crowd slash almost like to the point where I dare say like they almost have this expectation of Australian fighters. They make us proud, motherfucker. The tough man mentality, which I understand, but it's not it's not right in our no, sport. Right. I was I was raised on that same mentality and being raised in old school martial arts, that's but that's not right now, as what we know about brain health. Um but yeah, I'm glad you put that on there and I don't have a a strike count in front of me, but yeah. Um, no, I think Stipe Mocic set a record for like most strikes landed in there. And it was unfortunate because Mark Hunt, remember he was on this huge tear. Amazing run, and it got stopped short by Junior Dos Santos. Now, the unfortunate part about that was not just because we both love Mark Hunt and we both or love Junior Dos, Dos Santos, yeah. right? And that was suck to have them face each other. You're like, Mark Hunt is... On that, remember he was on that storybook run. They bought out his contract. Yeah, like, like he was on that you. unlikable run. If he would have beat GDS, he would have got a, a title fight. And no, and unfortunately for Mark Hunt, he was the only person man enough to fight JDS because JDS was just okay. even by that time was getting oh. turned down left and right. Oh, totally. Right. So by the time he was champion, like, and that was after the wars with with Kane. Well, in the middle, kind of, but yeah, more, mainly after. At oh least yeah, two, it was, it two, was two, two more done two, at least. Two, yeah, that's right. But the fact was, by the time JDS became champion, people didn't want to fight him. Let's be honest, okay? Unless it was for the belt. Um, Mark Hunt was one of the motherfuckers that did. Mike Tyson was in that fight. Watching that fight, I remember. And uh, if you remember, like a minute in th- and three seconds into that fight, Mark Hunt actually split his toe open, similar to John Jones did against Chael Sonnen, except because he's you know fucking. Savage. He didn't even uh, complain, admit, use it as an excuse. But you can see it a minute and three seconds into that fight in the first round, he busts his toe and loses mobility. And he was actually tagging JDS left hooks before that point. So it was really hard. Nevertheless, even though it just seems like the most unfair shake, a ruin to the one of the most amazing feel good stories in MMA, he still comes back and gets that last minute shot against Fabricio Verdum. Remember that? Yeah, fuck yeah. He actually is pretty good, better than we thought for being last minute. You know, gets in Verdum's guard, survives, everything gets Dropped hit with twice. that knee though. We didn't see that. 
Well, he dropped him twice before that. And then takes a really bad fight, which is this fight against Stephen Miocic that we're talking about here versus Mark Hunt. And that just kind of surprised me because I'm like, man, this is going to be a tough fight for him. This is a tough fight to get back on the horse. I feel like he got kind of robbed by taking the toughest road to the title and getting derailed right before he got there, which, you know, would have been just the, the best feel-good story ever. Takes another tough fight because, again, he's just a tough motherfucker, arguably too tough for his own good. And he shows up not making an excuse for Hunt or taking anything away from Stipe, but let's be honest, if you remember, he had trouble making weight for that fight, which Mark Hunt's only an inch taller than me. He shouldn't have trouble making weight for 265. But, yeah, obviously he's a big guy. He's let his weight you know, get a hold of himself in the beginning of his career. Did it again, but, again, taking nothing away, just being honest, Mark Hunt, especially for that part of his career, I don't know what happened, but he came in very ill-prepared. Yeah, totally. He looked bad, even for Mark Hunt, who doesn't well, look you, a physical specimen. I don't know specimen. if you remember him talking about his personal life during that time. He had a bad. couple of interviews where he was yeah, talking about his scary. personal life. Yeah, it was bad. And it showed, right? And the I think thing it's is good like, time for... he. I think the quote was, it's good times for Mark Hunt the fighter, but it's bad times for Mark Hunt the father. Yeah, 100%. 100% it was disturbing because like you said it wasn't like what a mini 45 seconds where he didn't have a competitive point yeah. I think his last arguable competitive point which didn't do anything but it was the last time he showed signs of being competitive was at the end of the second I think after getting held down and beat down for the majority of the round he gets up and throws a flurry that gets the crowd excited but he really didn't land anything and Stevie Miocic took him right back down yeah, oh, and right was, the, it, like, I mean, there was nothing in outside the third the first and fourth round. round. He took him down within thirty seconds. Oh yeah, it was just beating third and fourth round. Oh, it was bad. And even the the second round, there was like maybe one glimpse of nothing. Nothing. And that was it. Well, at the end of the second round, Mark Hunt did land a couple strikes, but it maybe was, yeah, it was, yeah, he countered down. it pretty well after that. Yeah, that was hard. And then with the stuff Mark Hunt with that, you know, Players Tribune article of him talking about slurring his words, and the UFC read it and then pulled him. I'm sure you read where they replaced him with Fabricio Verdun to fight Marcin Tibura. Yeah. Bad. I'm glad you put him on the list, but I'm sad that he makes it on the list because we're, we're fans of him. But it's true. So let's hear your number one, Dave. Yeah. All right. My number one is um, similar. Another Asian Pacific Islander who maybe the Asian Pacific Islander hard skull that I've referenced to, which can sound very kind of a racist conversation, but just being honest, um, probably got this man in some trouble too. This one I could not not put on. This one is from Pride. Pride 10, Return of the Warrior. Ensign Inouye versus Igor Vovchanchin. Now, listeners of the podcast, people who follow me on Twitter or follow my work, know I'm a big Igor Vovchanchin fan. Obviously, Igor Vovchanchin has been retired for many years. I haven't had much reason for to talk about it. But one of the things that I always say is, like, if I could have a time machine, Brian, and I could make any kind of fantasy match, like, especially for right now, light heavyweight and heavyweight struggling, like, let's bring back fucking a Circa 2000 Igor Vovchanchin to fight heavyweight and light heavyweight in particular like Igor Vovchanchin versus Anthony Rebel Johnson would be like a dream fight obviously Igor Vovchanchin was from a different era and uh, Igor Vovchanchin faced a guy in 2000 Pride 10 like I said uh, August 27th the year 2000 to be exact he fought instant in a way a, a Japanese uh, fighter from Hawaii who spoke fluent Japanese but was you know Japanese-born Hawaiian. Uh, a lot of Japanese were born in Hawaii. Even by the time Pearl Harbor, about 40% of the island was Japanese. A lot of people know that, which is kind of crazy to think about. Pre-America, pre-Pearl Harbor, neither here nor there. Ensign, in a way, was one of the Japanese-Americans there. Um, he was one of the guys who embodied what we love about BJ Penn. He was one of those guys who really was like a real like samurai. 
he followed it. It even had to do with his nickname if he followed the lineage there. And this was a guy that was ready to die in the ring. There's a difference between athlete and fighter, and BJ Penn is usually the guy that points that out. He's one of the guys to point to. Well, Ensign Inouye was one another one of those guys. I mean, he was a guy that really believed in the samurai way. Someone like who's a martial artist, a fan of MMA, a fan of history, a fan of the samurai, should be all about Ensign And I am. But as we keep revisiting in this this episode, Brian, you know, mental health, brain health, science. It kind of changes my view on things. And um, this was a tough fight because Ensign, in a way, he always cites this fight of like, you could see him going through the mental steps before he got in a fight. He said, I'm ready to die. And this is me becoming a man. He was 33 years old when he fought Eeyore of Shanshin here. And he's like, I'm ready to die. And this is me to prepare to be a man. And it's almost the worst fight to have that mentality. It's admirable, as poetic as we like, as a young man. Even we're not that young anymore. We still like to think, we remember what it's like to be a young man. Those are our heroes, right? Fearless warriors. But you see what he sacrificed. He goes in and it's this wild slugfest. I encourage you all to, to watch this fight. Fire it up on Fight Fest. And it's in a way versus Igor Vakchanshin. And it's maybe only like 7 to 10 seconds. They just fire back and forth. Ugly slugfests throughout the fight. And then they're on the ground maybe like 15 seconds in. And Pride had those 10 minutes, uh, 10 minute first rounds, right? Where it was like, it was like, you know, it was, it could get ugly at times. We loved it in theory, but let's be honest, it would be ugly at times. And I'll spare you. Please go back and watch the fight. There's about three times. Like, we're talking about the TJ Wahlberg. There's about three times where you're like, is this guy out? Is he swimming out of autopilot? I'm trying to be conservative, Brian. There's about three times in that first round where that fight should have been stopped. Jesus. And Ensign, uh, he's been on MMA Junkie Radio before. Before I was officially part of the show, but while I was listening. So go back and listen to those episodes if you can access them. Ensign talks about it. He literally almost died. He had brain swelling. Jesus. He spent days in the hospital. He literally almost died. And you could see it. Like, we we see how bad a cracked... He, he suffered a cracked orbital amongst multiple multitude of other inju- injuries. And we saw Josh Koscheck. Even as, after healing from the or, orbital, orbital bull, what did he do with every fight, Brian? After that, what he got punched? He would check for it. Because it's such a traumatic, painful injury. Ensign had his orbital and whole right side of his skull shattered. And you can see the point where it happened, where he was just like kind of getting woken up with T.J. Walbury. Literally, he was already put out at one point from ground and pound. And you see him waking up from it and looking to his corner to see what's going on. And like almost just reaching straight forward, like what's going on? Almost turning to the side, doing that turnover thing. Like too tough to tap. But again, we're talking about that body language turning to the side. He's just getting smashed. And is gross. He couldn't at a certain point. Remember when Pride when they get too close to the ropes, Brian? I remember these replays where they get too, they reset the fighters. So if like a guy's in guard, like they tell him to stay in position, they literally drag the fighters while they're on the ground into the center, and they drag them like little children, right? They did that to Ensign, and they all look like little children essentially the way they drag him. But Ensign couldn't even lift his head up the mat. Not only did his head not get off the mat, take the strikes which we talked about. Those are the worst strikes. When your head has nowhere to go, and Ensign took a multitude of those strikes. When they're dragging him back to the center of the mat, he's not moving at all. 
Ugh. Like he looks like he's out and he's sleeping. It was disgusting. Corn and throwing his even even the and by the way this wasn't the only fight going on because Steven Quadros and Eddie Bravo were calling the fight and they were actually fighting each other they were like taking jabs at each other like going like Eddie Bravo going ooh if he pulls guard throws an armbar you can see he's worrying Igor Vovchanson and then fucking Steven Quadros who I like Steven Quadros but he was going like well if he's worried yeah he escaped both of them Eddie just shitting on each other like. There was something going on personal between Eddie Bravo and Steven Quadros. So there's two fights going on at the same time. And thank God the round ends because the ref, the corner, and nobody else stopped the fight. They had to carry Ensign to his corner. And even the Pride doctor, who never stops fights if you watch Pride, had to stop that fucking fight. Ensign was just out of it, was screaming, didn't know where he was. And if you listen, again, listen to these episode of MMA Junkie Radio, he almost died. It was fucking scary. That's bad. And then you look at Ensign's record. Like many records, they either didn't fight again or Ensign fought again. But he went four and two. He lost three fights in a row. Beat some scrub last minute who was like two and eight. Lost another fight and then beat some scrub for his last fight for some memorial show. But that completes our top five. And on that note. Let's get to the submissions in transition. That's right. Your top five list, your picks, your contributions to the show through the variety of social media platforms. All at the same address if you want to contribute at the PYM Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. First, we're going to start off from Twitter. Uh, A single contribution here from Mandy J. At GoodSTA82. Mandy says, Gavin Tucker versus Rick Glenn. I try not to put stuff that's been happening kind of recently. I try to leave that off the list, but very worth it. And a perfect example of this list. Do you remember that fight? Gavin no, Tucker versus Rickland? Prelims of UFC 215. Demetrius Johnson versus Ray Borg. The fight that was supposed to be on in Canada recently. While I was in Virginia. I'm sure I saw it, to be honest with okay. you, man. Is why you worked out. That was a yeah. that was a pretty bad one. Um, Levy at L-E-E-V-I at Levy MMA. says Pat Curran. Versus yeah, Joe Warren, that horrible. That was an honorable mention for me. The only yeah, reason right. that one didn't make my list is because I didn't watch it live. But wow. Me too, me too. I caught it late because yeah. we're on West Coast. Yeah. Unless we illegally stream it, which me and Brian never do. We don't do uh, anything what? illegal, Jesus. What? Yeah. Um, we, uh, West Coast, of course, have to be subject to late fucking feeds of Bellator. I didn't watch it late either, which is why I didn't make my list. But a perfect example, especially yeah. Joe Warren. Yeah. I, well, it was the perfect example of what we were talking about earlier about people turning away. Not necessarily giving up or quitting or this, yes. but like turning away from the strikes, and that's just as bad. 100%. Scott Deschler at Rambler1222 says Joanna Violence Champion versus uh, Carlos Esparza, but mainly against Jessica Penne. And she's a picture of Jessica Penne there. Oof. Yeah, you know, the one good thing that came out of that fight is Jessica Penny got a nose job, and it actually looks really good afterwards. Yeah, I don't mind a girl with a, a, a schnoz or even an adjusted schnoz. I'm not a hater of either side of the equation. So uh, Jessica Penny, uh, for Dan's uh, weird or not weird, depending on your sensibilities. It's hard for Dan to watch her take a beat Jessica in there. Jessica Penny, holler at Dan Tom, MMA. MMA. <laughs> Don't tell Cassie I said that. Yeah, my girlfriend's not listening. <laughs> um, but Scott Deschler on his he also has uh, Misha Tate versus Ronda Rousey number one of uh, on my list. Yep, we were, we were on that on that one. Um, 
Yeah, uh, MMA Curator, at MMA Curator, Luke Rockhold versus Chris Weidman. Another classic one. Almost made my list. What about you, Brian? Uh, sorry, say that. that Luke Rockhold versus Chris Weidman. Oh, so close, man. The third round was over. The fourth round didn't even need to continue. Yeah. I agree with that. Unfortunately, Weidman... Didn't make me sick. It was a championship fight. It was the champion. Yeah. I understand the ref giving that extra whatever minutes it took to him, for him to try and fight back. He was also with Jan Weidman versus Munoz uh, at MMA Curator oh, was. Yeah, that's uh, a good one. Mike's MMA picks at Mike's MMA uh, as Masvidal versus Cerrone. This, this is on my honorable mention. This almost made my list. That's good. It should have been ended at the end of that round. It just sucks that the timing of the round was so close to the ending of the fight that it was hard for for him to not want to give it to him in the hometown. You can have your opinion where you want, but this fight was a perfect example where I forget what ref, but I heard a ref say in their defense, like, hey, you might say we should stop it, but there's plenty of times where the fucking corners are trying to get us to do their dirty work because they don't want their fighters mad at them and they're too afraid to stop the fight. Oh, of course. And that was an example of it. Totally. And we've seen that with uh, even the best corners, which is Greg Jansen. They are one of the best corners for sure, but Hands we've down. seen they're not above making really atrocious mistakes. Um, so 100% I'm with you there Mike's Mike um, Tim Hag Jiu Jitsu at Hip Hop in 76 Tim Hag this almost made my number one just to be an asshole contrarian but it is almost too sad to make my number one and in a sad topic I didn't want to make it sadder so I left it out but thank you Jiu Jitsu Tim Hag that was a really sad he's referring even though it was boxing which we usually it's just MMA topics here on the Protect Your Neck podcast he was an MMA fighter and if we are making the argument that how boxing, if they have any um, civilization points on us or humanity points on us, is the fact that their corners and their refs aren't afraid to stop a fight before a guy goes down, right? They'll throw a towel. They'll stop a fight while a guy's standing, something I think we should do more in our so sport. So true. It's harder, I understand. Nick Diaz did it for Nate Diaz against Josh Thompson. Yep. And, um, but yeah, I agree with that. Um <laughs> Rev Stevening, at Rev Stevening. This probably, probably, probably happened as we were speaking, but I, I didn't see it. But he says, tomorrow's Rico Verhoeven versus Bigfoot Silva fight. Oh, God. That should have been stopped before it I happened. I don't even this know. Morning, yeah. Oh, you did he get... happened, yeah. Oh, no. What did happen? Spoiler alert. Tell me, tell me. We, we already know what happened. Yeah. TKO, Verhoeven. Gross. He landed a head kick that sat him right on his ass. He got up, and then it was just TKO against the ropes. It could have been like a million times more vicious, considering how bad he's been KO'd before. But it was a, it was a head kick that put him right, like d- directly to his butt. I mean, from from kick to butt. Brutal. Joe from H Town has agreed with the Joe Roran versus Pat Curran. Sickening, he says. Night Scrappers says Gavin Tuck versus Rick Lynn. My man at Flying Brian J is with you on Miochik versus Hunt. Um, <laughs> Brad, Brad from Brad. Brad Trollchuck from at the MMA analysis at Brad Tazchuk. He agrees with me with Ensign in a way versus Igor. He also has Ensign in a way versus Big Nog, which happened after that bad stoppage. And that was a really good triangle choke. I believe I have it written down. He was out for eight seconds before the referee stopped that. So it was worth it for a submission. But I don't want to say not that atrocious. It was bad, but... uh. It was one of the submissions that I actually like, guiltfully to say, because it was one of those that show the Elmo Plata triangle set up there. Big Nog in his prime. He also has Cyborg versus Finney. He agrees with you and Weidman versus Munoz. And yes! And worst of all, Brian, 
Drew Dober versus Leandro Silva. I don't even know. If I that's a comical that. one because that's a fight where Drew Dober, I want to say, was winning either here nor there, but he was on top and half guard. Where there are certain grips that can make you be able to finish a guillotine choke from half guard, but the rule of thumb, Brian, is you can't finish a guillotine choke from bottom half. Leandro Silva had a shitty, not even a good, a shitty guillotine choke from bottom half. And not only did he have it from bottom half, Drew Dober was in the process of where the best thing you can do when someone has a guillotine on you, unless they have it locked in, which Leandro Silva didn't, you can use it to pass into side control because that gets you safe and is also an opening because they're selling out. They're trying to choke up on the guillotine and they're falling back. They're giving position for it. And if they don't have it, you see guys float their hips and legs and they pass. Drew Dober was in the middle of doing it in Brazil and the referee called it and was like, stop, stop the fight. Like, it was too much. It was one of the worst stoppages ever. And what was worse, and that was a bad stoppage, was that ref was actually a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, so he should have he better known better. What was even worse is that he was a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu that was tied to the same school as Leandro Silva. So, of course, even in Brazil, not even they, as bad as athletic commissions are, <laughs> even they overturned that shit immediately, but... Uh, if you listen to the at the M- uh, man analysis, that's uh, my man Brad. Uh, he always makes fun of that fight, as he does in his tweet here, saying, uh, "What does he say? What does he say? Uh, fuck!" He says, uh, <laughs> "I don't know how Dober is alive." He's joking, <laughs> and of course, Drew Dober. Uh, this is kind of an inside joke, but for for, for Brian here. Uh, Drew Dober is the guy that looks like Bronze, our friend um, Bronson and Billy had a kid. Combined, oh, and, it was and like so that big head idea. and jowl structure, you're like, yeah, that, that he had no way out of the oh, guillotine. That's <laughs> that's <laughs> uh, so that was great that he included that. So like in the, you know, uh, there are other jokes which I won't step on that I was thinking about putting on for fun, but uh, I'll leave that for the rest of the honorable mentions. Anything to say about those, Brian? Or they are all on point. Okay. I mean, I feel like yeah. I'm, like I said, when I was reading them, I was like, wow, these are a lot that I feel like we could all agree on. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's funny. You can kind of tell who is a part of which fan era or a part of quote-unquote your <laughs> fan era. But uh, yeah. I'm going to move on to Facebook. Um, I actually didn't post anything for Instagram, so I'm not hating on y'all for not posting on the Instagram. But we're going to go to Facebook here. Um, John John Rico, normal contributor to the podcast. Pat Curran over Joe Warren, we covered. Good, 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 good well-worthy. Stevie Mielczyk over Mark Hunt, we covered, but again, well-worthy. OSP over Benji Raddick, an old-school one from the Strike Force Challenger days. Uh, good pick there. Benji Raddick always reminds me of his fight versus Sean Shirk, which is another one that probably could have been stopped earlier. Matt Hughes versus Henzo Gracie, uh, UFC 112, that weird fight card, right? Remember? Oh, yeah. Uh, Anderson Silva, BJ Penn, just a weird fight in our card. Both winners and losers. If you look at that top three of those matchups... None of those guys were ever the same from that fight on. Matt, Matt Hughes had his crazy win streak. He continued his win streak, but things got weird. Really? Anderson Silva, aside from his fight over Vitor Belfort, he really didn't have any impressive fights. I mean, unless you want to count Yushin Okami or first Stefan Bonner, guys he shouldn't have been facing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And of course, we know BJ Penn, that's where his career turned because he lost his title to Frankie Edgar. Um, Cyborg versus Jam Finney, he also has. We covered that one. Good pick there, John John. Honorable mention, RFA, title fight between 
Fighter passed out, fell out of the show between rounds, fought the last one. I don't remember that one. Kate Trombley had Dammy Rico. You all steal my answers. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, Pat Curran versus Joe Warren. No question. Plus, I'd ask Jessica, I'd add Jessica Penne versus Joanna Champion, which we kind of cover. Yeah, that great, great a, pick there, Kate. Yeah, that was a whipping. Um, Wanley Tran, another regular contributor. Wanley had this one almost made my list. Again, I would have been overdoing on the female fights, which you can look into there. Make your own decision there. Kim Couture versus Sheila Burr. This was Sorry. bad. Yeah, this bad. was that, that crucifix show. We watched that one. That oh, was yeah. bad. Uh, Ricardo Arona versus Kazuki Sakuraba. I only saw that one highlight. I have to rewatch to see if he was in trouble before that. Uh, Eve Edwards versus Josh Thompson. A forever highlight. That amazing head kick. But I am blurry on the finish. If the finish was late or not. But I'll take your word for it, Wanley. I'll go back and rewatch that one. Ooh, I remember this one. This was a kind of a hipster pick, but more props to Wanley for that. Miguel Falco, the guy who was released from the UFC for shady UFC charges versus Vladimir Maniv. And to round it out, he had Mark Munoz versus Chris Weidman, which we had honorable mention. I love people adding their honorable mentions, which you know what that shows, Brian? They're listening to the podcast. Thank you. <laughs> Gary Goodwish versus Paul Herrera. I'm glad. This one will be like most like crazy, abrupt, random, etc. This could make the, the list. This was a Gary Goodwish versus Paul Herrera. Brian, I don't know if you recall a picture of a big black man wearing a gi, getting I'm a guy in a reverse cooker fast elbow. Yeah, yeah okay, yeah. Jesus yeah, okay, good, yeah. No uh, that way. was that. You've watched MMA and missed that highlight. <laughs> Oh, speaking of joke ones that I didn't want to step on because I'm at Oklahoma Knowles, Jersey, Mike, Kevin Lieber's Michael Chiesa fight this shouldn't have been stopped sooner. Speaking of comical add-ins, but no, Oklahoma Knowles knows the format. He has his realist. He's actually arguing for Magni versus Lombard. He says, fight could have been stopped in the first for a Lombard victory. Then Magni had to land about 600 answered strikes to get the win. He also has Lombard again in Hendo versus Lombard. Poor Lombard. I think Herm Deed was... <laughs> what, Could was, he have reacted yeah. sooner? Let's be real. Yeah. I think Herm Dean was the ref and called for the stoppage at the right time. But Hendo has a knack for making sure he gets the one last elbow or hammer fist in before the ref can get into the action. That of course, he was brutal. giving a nod to Bisping versus Hendo as well there. True, but elbows? That was, was a elbow. Oh, that was brutal, dude. Romero versus Tim Kennedy. Oh, yeah, that was brutal. That Not was sure brutal. if this qual... I like this because this is... I like me some outside-of-the-box picks, and even Dan Thomas failed on that, so thank you, Oklahoma Nulls. Romero versus Kennedy. Not sure if this one qualifies, but I think it should have been stopped before the third round started because Romero couldn't answer the bell. A lot of people agree with that. I agree. That's a really, really... Props just for me outside the box there. Oklahoma Nulls, Jersey Mike. He also has Nelson versus Bigfoot. Big John is a legend, but Roy was justifiably mad about having to keep punishing Bigfoot. Yeah, that was a rough one. I scouted for Roy on that one. I was glad to see him get the win, but I had a hard time seeing Bigfoot take punishment. You? Agreed. All right. Khabib. Great. Another good one. Khabib versus Johnson. Although Khabib versus Tavares could be another one. Go back and watch that fight. If one dude is having a conversation with someone who's not in the cage and he's landing unanswered strikes while having wrist control, 
It's over. <laughs> Somehow that fight went on for about seven minutes in the fight. <laughs> Great. Well put, Oklahoma Knowles. A very deserving. Great list. Thank you for your contribution. All right, this next one I really like because uh, it's from Aaron Menard, who's not just one of my favorite callers at MMA Junkie Radio. He was a longtime caller who said, I'm going to throw my hat into the MMA business. He's actually a ref. He's ref LFA fights, not UFC fights yet, but he's been refing for, what is he going on a couple years now? Goddamn, Aaron Fuck Menard. Yeah. Keep killing it, my friend. That's what's up. That's what we need more of. He didn't take it personal, this list. He chimed in. He's a fan like we all are. One that is overlooked, Andre Koroshkov versus Mary Sarampikis. This almost made my list. Do you remember this one, Brian? I don't. I didn't watch it live either, so I don't blame you, but I went back and watched this, and I sadly remembered it. I remember Mary Sarampikis from his dream run, which I watched, and maybe there's a story, so I'll maybe save it for the next time because it could pop up on a top five list. But Mary Sarampikis sadly did not do much better than his dream run. He lost to Nick Diaz in Strike Force. He went to Bellator... Fought Andre Koroshkov, who, you know, became champion, defeated Vincent Henderson, and is still a top contender in that division. It was brutal, man. It was a brutal stoppage. It should have been stopped. It was to the point where Jimmy Smith, who we can all respect, the guy who gets confused for Joe Rogan, who actually fought professionally, has more experience than Joe Rogan. He was screaming angry, Brian, just screaming at the ref. I thought he wanted to kill the ref. He was just like, that was a disgusting performance, and I agree with him 100%. It was 11, again, I, I foreshadowed to it, 11 unanswered shots. It's fucking unnecessary. Where he went out from the first one, went limp, lifeless body, collapsed into the corner of the ring where the ring meets the cage, right? Into the edge of the ring. And then from there was delivered 11 unanswered shots. It was disgusting. Disgusting, disgusting. Let's look at the ref for that. That was at Bellator 78. The ref was... Oh, shit, was that Josh Rosenthal? No, it was Jerry. Fuck, I can't read my own handwriting. It's so bad, but it was Jerry something. All right, that was a good one. Uh, He also has Don Fry versus James Thompson. Uh, James Thompson was the guy who almost lost his year versus, I believe, Kimbo Slice. Good pick. Derek Luce versus Travis Brown. A Yamasaki classic. Terrible fight. Yeah, Yamasaki and... Mergliata, or not Mergliata, uh, Mazzagatti. Matt Brown versus Pete Sell. I have to go back and watch that. Do you remember that one? That was on my uh, honorable mentions. Oh, shit. Okay. What happened on that fight? Remind me. I remember Pete Sell in his comeback victory. Pete Sell got rocked on his feet multiple times with head kicks. And okay. he was getting damaged hard. He got dropped. When he dropped, Matt Brown went to hit him. And when he hit him, he was like, really, you're going to let me fucking hit this guy? Like, he's already out. And he kept ground and pounding him. But the fight went on for like three more minutes. It's bad. Like he, he got up and he held him against the cage, but he wasn't doing anything. All the offense came from Matt Brown and it was vicious. Brutal. Was bad. Yeah. You should definitely rewatch it. Well, it's Aaron. Honorable mention. Okay. Well, good, good mention by Aaron there. And also had Jones versus Shogun. I could see an argument for that. Derek Lewis versus Ramon Potts. Maybe that fight shouldn't have been made because Ramon Potts is fucking one of the worst fighters to ever fight in the UFC. I say that. Well. No way to say that endearingly. He's one of the first worst fighters to fight in the UFC. And on line four, we've I, got... <laughs> <laughs> oh, this one was fucking brutal, dude. Shane Carlin was Frank Mir. I, I almost put that. That's an honorable mention. Oh, too. fuck. What was that? UFC 211? He put Frank Mir in the grave. Fuck. Who knows? What does it matter? It should be negative 11 because that's how many years he took off Frank Mir's This life. one was so brutal that, like, 
I remember the week of that fight after that happened, I was working regular construction where I would go into people's occupied units and do reconstruction on their unit. And we had the plastic all plasticed off. But the person was in there like a savage. Like, I maybe they worked from home. It was their day off. But they were in their living room camped out watching fights while we were doing work, excuse me, on their bathroom and bedroom walls. So we set up a nice plastic tent for them, which we would have to cross through. Or we had our own plastic walkway um, to get through. And this person must have TiVo'd the fights from the weekend because this was a Monday after that fight, Brian. They must have TiVo'd the fight because I remember this was maybe 2010, 2011. They had really nice TVs. which was still a rarity. So I was like, wow, this guy has a really nice TV. Furthermore, he had it TiVo'd because in perfect HD quality, the quality we were too cheap to order the fights on, um, this person did and had it TiVo'd. And I remember like usually if I saw someone watching UFC... I would not only find an excuse to slow down my work pace to be able to have an excuse to stay in said room and watch the fight, but I'd probably strike up a conversation. No, not for this fight. I remember seeing this person having it queued up. I did not want to start conversation. I wanted to get the fuck out of the room as fast as I could because I already watched the fight, and I did not care to see someone potentially die for the second time. That was that no, was Frank Mir versus Shane Carwin. That was, yeah, that was bad. Daniel Gallimore versus Frederick Brown. He has a link to that. I'm going to go back and watch that, Aaron. I don't know. I'm not familiar with that fight. Does that ring any bells for you, Brian? Isn't yeah. that... This speaks to the quality of our listenership, That's though, doesn't it? That they're, they're picturing stuff that we don't even have. Fucking props to you guys. Props to Aaron. Mike... Oh, he's on, he's with us. Mike Pyle versus TJ Wahlberger. Worst. This is a good one. Um, Razor Rob McCullough versus Olaf Alonzo. Mouthpiece went flying. It did indeed, sir. Y'all made me go deep in the well for my picks. You made us go deep, Aaron. Aaron, you probably should have been on this fucking podcast instead of both of us. Fuck with those picks. Great picks, Aaron. Jordan Fiegelman, Magni vs. Lombard. Okay, he agrees with you on that, Aaron. Jordan does. Uh, first and second rounds were tough to watch. Yes, they were. Yes, they were. But he won. Uh, Aaron Maynard also adds for his pets for Sam Morgan. Mike O'Reilly. Yeah, Pets, he's with the Pets one, Pets Dispenser, as he calls. Wow, that's, that's clever, Mike. Joe Warren versus Pat Curran one, he agrees. Uh, another, at, and again, another reason why Aaron Maynard probably should have been on this episode than both of us, because he's putting me to shame here. Kazushi Sakuraba versus Shinya Aoki. By the way, that reminded me of Shinya Aoki versus, uh, what's his name, who had to be pulled from this last UFC Japan card, where he broke his arm with a hammerlock oh, and gave him the middle finger. Yeah, that was so brutal. Fuck, what was that? It's like one of the most brutal moments of, any submission ever. Mizuto Hirota. That's right. Anything on your honorable entrance list before we get out of here, Brian? They actually hit them all. Really? Yeah. All right. I'm going to go through mine now. I'm surprised Joe Lozon versus I Quinta didn't get on your list. It wasn't that bad of one in retrospect. UFC 183. That was But close. that was one where I remember Brian just yelling more than any other. Stop the fight. And by the way, I don't know Brian's favorite fighter, but... Gun to my head? Gun to my head. Someone who knows Brian. If I was his favorite fighter, I'd say Joe Lozon. He's close, so for sure. He might be, yeah. And you were yelling. Yeah. You were putting money on. And that's probably fighter, why I don't necessarily like, remember that. Fight. My memory just like blocked that from my brain. Like, don't ever even think about this moment. The Silva vs. Diaz, I believe, yeah. that fight. No, I remember. Now that you mentioned it, I do remember I was vividly screaming. Yep. Like, Stop the fucking fight. Because uh, he was out on his feet. There was no reason for him to be there. I'm sorry if I missed somebody's honorable mention, because I could have swore this was on theirs, but it was on mine. Glover to sheriff is Fabio Maldonado. Oh, I think that was definitely that a tweet. One? Yeah, that was definitely a tweet. Okay, that was a tweet. Maybe I'm I missed sure that one. That was yeah. probably a tweet. It was early on. I think that was one of the earliest tweets. All right. Uh, we had that. We had that. I I had this on my list with the intent when I rewatched it, and there wasn't. But I wanted to be a contrarian, and I wanted to find a reason to put Shogun versus Hendo one on my list. 
as controversial as that would have been because it was a great fight because the, the end fight because ever. the end ended really shitty and it was the first and they were just five round two, 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 two tired. it wasn't a title fight no it was the second trivia night the first was Mark Munoz versus Chris Oliva and this was the second oh. yeah remember that for trivia night folks I know I thought it was two I thought it was two but they say the I rewatched it yeah and Mike Goldberg even says it in the uh, commentary um King Mo versus Lorenz Larkin uh, that was another one that I felt that was kind of honorable mention. That was a Kim Winslow. And Steve Mazzagatti, another one. Czech Congo versus Mustafa Alturk. That was a brutal one that could have been stopped sooner. So many. Uh, for versus ground and pound. But yeah, wow. All right, that was a fun list. Probably the longest episode we've done to date. Two hours and maybe 17 minutes. Two hours and 15 minutes by this count. By the time we in damn. songs. Thank you all. Thank you all for the positive ratings and reviews on iTunes. I will include it in the next one because we have run way over. Thank you guys for the Amazon click throughs, which I think I have adjusted correctly. Amazon keeps changing their shit. I know on it is correct. So that link works. Thank you guys for thinking of this podcast, which you can follow at the PYN podcast. You can follow me at Dan Tom and May. Brian, I know you don't post much. Where can they follow you if they want on Twitter? Um. More frequently, <laughs> you could find me on Instagram. There we at, go. Okay, better. Uh, BR14NS. Or you can find me on the Twitter at BR14N. Well, the good thing about running long on this podcast, the good thing about running late on a recording is that long recordings, light recordings, come in useful when there's a weekend and there's not much to listen to. So hopefully you're listening to this on your Sunday. If not, maybe kicking this off on your Monday because your other podcasts aren't uploaded. This podcast has been good. It's been well, yeah, it's all been good, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see when we listen back, as per usual. Welcome to the alcohol train. That's right. Until then, hold your alcohol well. <laughs> Don't be afraid to throw in the towel when it comes to certain things Fucking in life. Hey, Jesus. That's Damn, right. I hope if I'm ever in a street fight, throw in the towel. Yes, sir. And until next time, protect your motherfucking neck. Yup. <laughs>